Welcome to Landon Wall and Witty on the road to Qatar. I'm Grant Wall. Thanks so much for joining us. We've got reaction from Landon Donovan, Chris Whittingham, and me in person together for the first time here in Mexico City to the U.S. men's national team's nil-nil tie with Mexico on World Cup qualifying match day 12. It's nice to be here in person with y'all. It's a little weird, but it's nice. <laughs> yeah, it's... um. I, I, it's, it's bizarre that like we wouldn't do this in the United States. Like it would be in Mexico that we would decide to meet up. But yeah, that's a good point. It, actually, it, it's great to look at each other in the eye and have an actual human conversation that doesn't require like me raising a finger. And, <laughs> yeah. oh, no, Landon, you go, you go. Like we can actually talk like people. Oh, I'm gonna raise plenty of fingers in this <laughs> in this conversation. Woody was raising some fingers during the match. Yeah, no, that is uh, yeah. for sure. I, yeah. The reports were, Chris, that you mm. were a little angst-ridden during the. I game. believe the word was enraged. Yeah, I was fuming at halftime when <laughs> when Christian Pulisic <laughs> didn't score that goal. Yeah, no, I, I a lot of my colleagues at Metal Arc Media and Landon got to see me be a fan tonight, <laughs> and it's just I, I I become a different person for the two hours of watching the team in person, especially because like. We we talked so much in the buildup about what this meant in terms of it being the last big USA-Mexico World Cup qualifier because of the nature of World Cup qualifying changing and because of the nature of the rivalry changing. This kind of felt like the end of an era. And so you come out yeah. hoping to see the U.S. nick a goal. They create the chance that allows them to... Well, two chances. Two, two chances allow them to, and they don't score either of them. So it was just like a... It wasn't really upset towards the u.s because they're still in a good position at the end of the night it's almost like a oh this it was there that ballistic moment the ballistic moment was there and, it, and he didn't seize it so before we go any further landon was this what was this like for you <laughs> being a spectator at yeah. a u.s mexico world cup qualifier in the azteca it was more emotional than i thought it would be um one just being able to watch your country play in person and on foreign soil was really interesting um, with the stakes as high as they were. But then just seeing the stadium from a different vantage point was just, it just, it was kind of bizarre, um, but really exciting too. And I was able to, I think, just soak in everything and enjoy it. But I'm like emotionally now, I'm exhausted from the game, from the experience, all of it. But it was really fun. And what's our feeling here? Are we, more bummed out that the U.S. didn't make history by winning the first ever World Cup qualifier at Mexico? Or are we, it's a point, it's potentially very useful. If the U.S. gets three points on Sunday against Panama, almost certainly going to qualify for the World Cup. I think if not for the fact that Honduras got a point earlier tonight against Panama as well, then I think this might feel a little bit different. But now the job is very clear. Beat Panama on Sunday, and you don't really need anything out of Costa Rica to at least get to the playoff, but almost certainly to qualify automatically as well because of goal difference. That result elsewhere allows you to just have a sense of calm now going forward. And so you you aren't so angst-ridden about DeAndre Yedlin being suspended, about Tim Weah being suspended, about all the injuries, about all the exhaustion that we saw on the field tonight. And then the players have to go out 72 hours from now and play a game against Panama. Now I presume their players are tired too. They must have given a lot in trying to get a late goal against Honduras. I will admit I did not watch that game. But it, the, the results elsewhere and the position that the U.S. find themselves in allow you to be like, okay, good point at the Azteca. It was worth 
playing all the starters, giving it a go, and trying to press them early. I was surprised at how aggressive their posture was early in the game, but it was it it, it the results allow you to feel good about what happened tonight. For me, it was both. So it was a great result and a great performance. Um, you know, Mexico had more of the ball and dictated the game a little bit more. The U.S. were very direct, didn't really want to have possession and, and maintain possession for long stretches. They were pretty vertical, but they created the bigger chances. So good result, good performance, but also disappointed because it was a huge opportunity lost to, to win a game at Azteca. Now, in the long run, I don't, it, I don't think it's going to hurt the U.S. by not winning. It's not going to hurt us by not winning the game as far as getting to Qatar right. um, or hopefully, you know, given a good result on Sunday. But it was an opportunity lost because Mexico were there for the taking. I, I just, watching Mexico live, they are, they're just not, they're just not as good as teams in the past. They're not. You can talk about Tata. You can talk about maybe they're in a bad run of form. Blah, but they're just not as good. Their players are not as good. They have good players, but not like they were in the past. That was one of my post-game quotes or things in my thing I wrote at the final whistle was, this Mexico is not very good. They're, not. they're probably going to qualify for the World Cup. They're old, much, much older than the United States and Canada. And the World Cup itself is a very, very much a young person's tournament, I think, because so much is required of you. I would much rather be the U.S. or Canada going into the World Cup with a younger team than I would Mexico. Are you not surprised by that, though? Because I, I still look at names on a sheet, and I'm impressed by their front three. Chucky Lozano, Tecatito Corona, Raul Jimenez, all playing at European level. Ache Ache, albeit he's moving to Houston, but he's starting Champions League games for Atletico Madrid, who are, who are in the quarterfinal. Edson Alvarez is an up-and-coming young player in midfield, and you know the rest of the squad is mostly players in Liga Mekis, but... That's a higher level than the U.S. domestic league at the moment until that turns around. Like, I'm, I'm surprised that out of those parts, there isn't more because I believe in Tata Martino as a coach on the domestic level we saw in, in, in MLS and at the international level. But you're right. I mean, there's not a lot of threat there, but I don't really know why. They don't have, but they don't have difference makers. Like, Raul Jimenez isn't, he's not a difference maker. Chuka Lozano is. And mm -hmm. for me, he's the only one. But if you look at the at our side of the field, Pulisic, Reyna when he came in, Wea can pull off a play. Musa can make a special yeah. play. Like there are some real difference makers on our team. Weston when he's healthy, right? But Mexico just doesn't have that. You know what else stood out to me is when you watch it live, we are so much more athletic, just physically way better than mm. the Mexican team. Way more athletic. Every, I mean, Walker Zimmerman just climbing over everyone. He and Miles Robinson were excellent anthony robinson excellent we were just physically jetta my apologies <laughs> we were just physically like way more dominant than they were to that point like walker zimmerman for me is the player like u.s fans might watch him on television and he might just seem like a center back but then you watch him in person and like the way the the specific way that his body leaps into the air, it's like it, it, it carries an imperiousness that I just don't see from your average defender. Like he is soaring above everyone and thunderously thumps the ball away. Like it like there's an aggression to the way that he's he like wins the, headers. Uh, he's like he's like the top of the food chain. He's yeah. just like and he goes and gets right. seriously. It's he's so impressive. He's the most improved player on the US team over the past year. He has to be. 
Right. Or has he always been and we just didn't notice it? Well, I, mean, I, I think it, it, he, to me, is a case of so often judged for what he isn't for rather than what he is. And what he is is a very good defender. What he's not, and I think where the U.S. struggled at times tonight and the times they do put themselves under pressure, is that I don't think any of that back four are above average at playing out of the back. That Yedlin, was the knock against Yedlin, him. the yeah. Robinsons, and Zimmerman. I don't think any of them are above average or playing out. So you have a goalkeeper who's trying to play out with them, but then getting it from back to front was a real challenge at times. And I thought that they were better trying to win second balls and trying to play more direct because that's the strength of the defenders. But I, I think Zimmerman is probably not in Europe right now because of his inability to play out. And no, I think, but he, I mean, he could play. He could play anywhere in Europe pretty much. At this I mean, point, I think he could. He's yeah. very. But good. then why isn't he? Well, maybe he doesn't want to. That's fair. He was on know. my podcast a couple months ago, and I asked him this question, and he said, thanks for listening to the pod, guys. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I must have missed that one. <laughs> that he's, he's interested in going to Europe. You know, he also realizes that he's not that young compared to guys in their late teens, early 20s, and so it would have to be the right situation, but that also decreases maybe some of the demand and for him. But I think once... People, you know, clubs in Europe have to be seeing these qualifiers. They will presumably watch the World Cup. And I think Walker Zimmerman is going to be a starter for the U.S. at the World Cup if he continues on this path. And this was a guy that was not even included on the October roster at first by Greg Berhalter because, like Chris says, he, would, he wasn't great in Berhalter's eyes at playing out at the back. Uh, he's worked at it. He's gotten better. And I, I will die on this hill. Walker Zimmerman will be the breakout mainstream media star of the World Cup for the United States. Presuming they make it. Presuming they make it. <laughs> what, why are you doing this? We're making it. Woody, stop We're it. not there yet. Oh, uh, look, uh, we're heading Jesus. towards Sunday. Panama's tired. We're tired. I say we, I shouldn't say we were. We objectively covered the <laughs> no, United we're, States we're tired. men's national team. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, right. Well, exactly. Yeah, we're, we're tired. tired. And the United States men's national team are tired. We don't know what Sunday's going to look like because Panama can summon and in, like they yeah. bring intensity to all of the games that they play. Like, I don't, I'm not assuming that game is going to be easy. So the job's not done yet. We took a positive step tonight with getting a draw at Azteca and Panama dropping points. But the job's not done yet. We should never again take that for granted. But. You're right. I think, like, U.S. fans, I think, have so often clamored for, like, can I just have two center backs that I trust? And it's really been, we were talking today about the 2010 uh, Algeria game, and we were talking about the defense and trying to, and you think of, like, Bocanegra and Demerit, like, those are incredibly steady center backs. And you think about the winding journey the U.S. has been on to try and find guys that are that steady and solid. And I think John Brooks is not here because he's not steady and solid in the same way. Mm. He's, he's, I think, has a higher ceiling and brings up that level of that technical ability of playing out. But uh, I, I think if you look at the center backs, Zimmerman and Brooks, in theory, are kind of a perfect combo in that respect. Yeah, and I'll just, I would just say, as now in a, sitting in a coach's seat, trust is built through consistency. Mm -hmm. And now, between Walker and Miles, they have been consistent for a number of games together. And so, why wouldn't you play them? There were people who thought, though, that Aaron Long might start in place of Miles Robinson tonight, and that was not the case. I thought Robinson and Zimmerman were fine tonight. They were, they were effective. I thought they were great. You know, I had no issues with how, how they played. I thought defensively the U.S. was good all over the field, but particularly in the back line. Um, I do want to ask about the Pulisic miss chance, because sitter? Are we okay calling this a sitter? 
I am. No, by the way. I wouldn't oh, call it a sitter. On. I wouldn't call it a sitter. Really? Why? Um, I don't know the exact definition. Maybe we can get into it. But a sitter is a sitter is you cannot miss, right? That play. I don't know. I don't follow the XG stuff like you do, Witty. But <laughs> that's not a that's not a hundred percent chance, right? It's probably eight out of ten for Christian, maybe nine out of ten. But a sitter is like. I mean, PFOX was probably more of a sitter just because he was closer, mm. right? Now, I believe that play was actually harder to pull off, having been in that sit- in both situations. That's bouncing to him. It's a little awkward. There's a defender on his back. Um, but for I, I guess I would say for a player of Christian's quality, it probably leans more sitter. But the actual play, you wouldn't. Say, I wouldn't call it a sitter. There, there was a, a similar play though, a similar chance for Pulisic in the League Cup final against Liverpool, very early in the game, mm. in on like goal and hits it right at the keeper. And I guess the only question I got for you, Landon, am I being too hard on Pulisic if I'm saying like there's previous. There's priors now, recent ones. I don't think there's in that situation. Yeah, I don't think it's like a pattern, right? He's, I mean, he, he's very good. He he knows he should score there, right? And he should score. I'm not saying he shouldn't score, but scoring. The, I mean, the hardest thing to do in this sport is score a goal, and there's a reason why. And also, there's a damn good goalkeeper in in net tonight, right? So I don't. You know, I don't know that you're being too hard on him. He should have scored, right? At this level, you expect a player of his quality to score. And he's not, he's not going to deny that. And I'm sure he's frustrated by it. But I, to say that it was like this egregious miss, I think, would be inaccurate. I do use the phrase missed a sitter, though. And I, I don't want to go down a rabbit hole here. Yeah. But like, it's <laughs> someday we will. It's one of those things where if you're going to win this game in the Azteca, like he has to score there. And like another, I remember uh, when Jurgen Klinsmann came in, he talked a lot about like, you know, like if you miss those sorts of chances in other countries, like you get talked to in the grocery store the next day. And while I'm not like, I'm not sure that that's healthy. Um, and like, I, I think fan culture has evolved from there. And I like, I don't, but those are the moments where in a world cup semifinal, if the U S don't win as a result, that's the moment that falls on top of you, right? Like those are incredibly high stakes, high pressure moments. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm talking to people for, oh, Christian Pulisic, that's the player you're watching. And that's the moment that he should be tucking away. Like, and, and I, I, it feels so like empty in a way because it's just like we all know that he should score. He thinks he should score. He didn't score. Like, what do you do other than say he should have scored? But those are the moments that are going to decide more important games. No, you know what stood out to me is I can't remember. We've scored goals mm-hmm. in Azteca, right? Michael Bradley's goal comes to mind immediately. Yeah. Charlie Davies scored a great goal. But I don't ever remember having two clear-cut chances against Mexico in Azteca like that. Even though we didn't score, I can't remember ever having one chance like that in all the years we've played here. It was crazy. And that was the feeling that I had at halftime was like, oh, the U.S. will not have a better chance to score than that. We're going to watch 45 minutes and maybe they scrape a goal. Maybe Kellen Acosta puts in a good set piece and there's a couple headers and you scramble the ball over the line. But a tap-in, again, we can get into the nomenclature of what exactly that was, a really good chance to score. You just place it in the corner and you've scored. That 
does not happen away no. in Mexico. And and we've talked for several months about that doesn't happen away in CONCACAF. If it's if that kind of chance happened in Panama, it'd be like, oh my God, like Eureka, you finally, you know, you know, put something together to score against a team like Panama, never mind against Mexico. Like that's and then for PFUC to have the same moment. I feel the I feel bad about the way that I'm saying that name. I feel like I'm I'm emphasizing the fuck at the end of there. You you were just on fire these days with anatomically correct descriptions yeah. on, on television broadcast. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. I want to ask about the atmosphere I had said, I had written a column, like, all y'all should come to this game. It's going to be an epic bucket list type thing. This stadium here in Mexico City is tamer than it has ever been. And part of that's due to the COVID regulations. So they, were only, they limited it to 40,000, 50,000, I guess. It that, didn't I'm, seem like it was that many. That, well, I mean, the lower bowl was packed. Like, there, there were not very many empty seats except in the section where we were, which is, you know, like not meant to be a packed section. But the actual seats, like that, there were a lot of people there. Now, didn't the, seem like it. Uh, well, it doesn't go up to the sky. Like w the way that Landon and his cohorts talk about Azteca is it's just people going up. And that that feeling is not there. So when you were staring at 30,000, 35,000 empty seats, it doesn't, re it doesn't really look that intimidating. But the people that were there didn't really make that much of a noise. And it was funny while you were describing that, Grant, that like, Landon, you were making faces like, oh, I'm sad that it's not the same. <laughs> When that obviously gives the U.S. an advantage, no. but but in, but like there's like an experiential quality to USA Mexico that needs the Azteca to kind of be thumping. They and I by they I mean whoever owns the stadium runs the stadium. They took away every advantage that Azteca has. First of all, the the game was played at night, which is much much easier. I mean, it felt like it felt like you were in Southern California tonight. There was like you didn't feel any smog, you didn't feel any altitude. I mean. We weren't running, but like it was, it, they just took away every advantage. We walked into the stadium two hours before, hour and a half before, and they're like playing like YMCA and Billy Joel songs. And I'm like, <laughs> what the hell is going on here? In between like stoppages, they're playing music at halftime. They're playing like American songs. There's, you know, they're, they're having fans like hold their cell phone lighters up at halftime and doing something. I, I felt like I was like, like at an NBA game or something. It was bizarre. But like a bad NBA game, like Seriously. an NBA game in the eighties. Or like a minor league baseball game. Yes. It was bizarre. I kept waiting for the t-shirt cannon guy to come yeah, out totally. and start shooting into the crowd. Totally. But and like, so they've done, and also like they've done all these renovations on the stadium. So it's much more modern and it's great as a spectator, but it is not, it was not intimidating at all. 
at all. It's not even just like that. The entire side of the field behind the benches is pure luxury boxes, club lounges, like areas that are highfalutin in nature. Like it's not meant for, and again, this is probably a good thing, but for fans that throw projectiles towards the field. <laughs> and like you don't need to build a moat and have a 15-foot fence to separate that section from the benches, right? Which again, are all the atmospheric things that give advantages. There was a moment when Christian Pulisic went to take a corner kick and the contrast with 2009, Landon, when you went to take a corner kick and got pelted with everything under the sun and no one stopped it and Christian goes over there to take the corner kick and doesn't have to deal with anything and, and it's like a so wide- long to take it too it was like 45 seconds in that corner I'm waiting for one beer to get thrown it's like he was patronizing me <laughs> yes He's exactly like, yeah, like, I looked over here. I looked over I said to Landon is like what this is not what you did for corners. He's like, must be nice. Must be nice. There's a famous old Roy Williams quote, the basketball coach from North Carolina, who called it a wine and cheese crowd mm. that he disliked uh, in college basketball. I never thought the Azteca would become a wine and cheese crowd. It did, though. And, like, it, it, I don't have the reference point. So, like, I, I don't know what it's like on a normal night. But I, from a personal standpoint... I'm a little bit let down, right? I'm a little bit let down that even though in some ways I'm part of the problem because I'm sat in the area where maybe rabid fans should be. Um, but like that wasn't what I was expecting. And also, again, these things can happen, but you can still create an atmosphere. And the fans didn't. And like, I don't know if it's like an apathy. And like we we were talking in the buildup about how the Mexican fans feel about the team right now and how they're not totally convinced they don't. They kind of want Tata out. I didn't realize that they were chanting for Tata Martino to be sacked during the game, um, but they were. So I don't know if it's just like, hey, we're ready to be angry more than we're ready to get behind the team, but it's only really when they had threatening goal-scoring chances that you heard them at all. There were no songs and chants throughout the game. They did. They pulled out the Olays twice, and on like the second Olay, there's a ball that goes 30 yards awry out, out for a throw-in. Like it was, there was nothing to the crowd tonight. And my feeling when I was sat there was, is, oh, this is just kind of a normal game. Like, now the, the pitch at times actually I thought played a role. Like, there were big moments, including at the very end when I forget who was trying to clear the ball, lost their footing, and it, and it, it results in a chance. But, like, it just seemed not like the away in CONCACAF tropes that we talk about. Difficult playing service, difficult conditions, difficult stadium, loud stadium. None of those things were at play tonight. That was just a normal game that you could you could have played in the middle of Belgium, not not in the most haunt the most vaunted ground that the US normally travels to. Did you get recognized in the stadium when? I did, yeah. How'd that go? Uh well it was it was respectful. In some cases maybe a little over exuberant. <laughs> <laughs> um, but for the most part, fine. Yeah. I mean, there was no, uh, certainly no animosity or, I mean, I, I, it kind of is a microcosm of the night. It was just like, right. it was not nasty. It was not ugly. <laughs> it was just like, everyone's just kind of like, 
eh, we're just here. <laughs> and it just didn't feel like a qualifier. It, yeah. And if, if I can offer a description for your interactions with Mexico fans, it would be surprisingly kind. Huh. Yeah. Like people, yeah. people were like, oh, you know, you crush us sometimes, but I still respect you. And I was like, what? I, like I was, I was stood near you and I was like kind of ready to like jump in and feel not, <laughs> what the hell am I going to do? But like, just like I was concerned at how many people were mobbing you. But like, I think it was like kind of a, almost like an Instagramification of the thing where it's like, I'd rather get my Instagram here at the Azteca than be a part of a raucous environment. That's a great point. So... I don't want to get buried in scenarios here, mm. but for this Panama game, because Panama dropped points at home tonight, if the U.S. ties even against Panama, Panama cannot catch the U.S. So that means that the U.S. is guaranteed with a tie of at least being in the intercontinental playoff for the World Cup. So that's there, but you obviously want to win the game. And if you win the game, then Panama cannot catch you, mm -hmm. obviously. And Costa Rica only could catch you if they win by a lot of goals against the U.S. On, in the game in Costa Rica. And obviously Costa Rica has to win its next game as well. So a win may not guarantee qualification for the U.S. to the World Cup on Sunday, but it kind of de facto will as long as there's not some historic, awful loss at Costa Rica. Correct. And I really hope that Costa Rica drop points in El Salvador and we win because there's nothing like qualifying at home. Mm. So I, I'm trying to think back of all the qualifying we had. So first one was home in Boston against Jamaica. And that was very soon after post 9-11. Very soon after 9-11. The U.S. invaded Afghanistan that morning. That's right. Um, I'm trying to remember 06. I can't remember. But I do remember 09. We were in Honduras. And that has a special meaning because you're on the road and there's only like 40 people there who want you to win and 40,000 who don't. But qualifying at home is so unique and so special. And actually, we in 13, it was against Mexico, right? Yep. In Columbus. Yeah. yeah, in Columbus. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's really special. So I just hope it works out in a way that we can qualify at home in front of our fans. It's it's such a special feeling. And the U.S. will know what the task is because... I was just going to ask when the time is. Yeah. So El Salvador, Costa Rica kicks off at... Uh, I'm now on, on, on mountain time because we're, we're two hours behind, but 5 p.m. Eastern... Uh, and then the USA game kicks off at 7 p.m. Eastern. So, well, you'll have the result. You'll know the task. And I, I can only imagine the lift for the U.S. players if they know, go and win this game and you qualify. I was and just we, and we get that. And we get to celebrate. There's a mass, like, knowing that if you win and you're in, I, that is such a massive advantage. Any final thoughts? The striker situation. So, Ricardo Pepe plays for 60 minutes. Jordan Pifak comes on, and neither of them really did much. And I'm I'm just concerned now that it's not necessarily about the individuals, although the individuals, you know, Ricardo Pepe hasn't scored a goal in five months. Anywhere. Pra right, exactly. Uh, and that move oh, to Germany. maybe Ger in practice. <laughs> but, you know, the move to Germany does not appear to have worked out in the short term for him. And then any of the other choices. And I'm starting to wonder if it's like a... You know, Jordan Pifak is the top scorer in the Swiss League. Maybe the Swiss League is terrible, and that's a bad data point. But is there something systemically about, not even the fact that the, the, the players haven't scored, but Pifak has a really good chance tonight, but they don't routinely get involved. 
Never mind, oh, there's a slew of goal-scoring chances that these guys are missing. There's not even an involvement there that I'm starting to wonder systemically what the issue is there. Yeah, the the yeah, that's a good point. Um, like I said earlier, we were really direct and vertical tonight, much more than I can remember U.S. teams, especially Berhalter teams playing, and maybe that was just part of the plan. But it, it meant that they were... V- very often just not involved in the in the game at all and i'm thinking ahead to a world cup you need people who can score it's it is like i said the hardest thing to do in this sport and we did not look like from from our strikers i mean pfock had a big chance but it didn't look like we were going to create a real chance with those guys and that is scary now between that's been the case for 13 games though oh i know but between you hope that between weston christian geo who looked very good tonight uh, Wea, Musa, you can you can get scoring elsewhere, but it it really helps to have somebody high up the field who can just pull off a play and bang a goal in. My final thought was going to be about Gio Reyna, who came on as a sub in this game and had a ridiculous run that just kept going. I feel bad that we've taken this long to get to this. Kept going, the highlight going of the game, and going, and you're like, what is happening? I saw here? someone on Twitter counted eight challenges. And even Before the even the Mexico them. fans recognized it. Yeah, that this was a special run, and he almost pulled it off. And it would have been a freaking all timer of a goal if he had like yeah, even got. Oh, oh, if you went all the way, I, the if, best he, goal if he merely in assisted, I mean, yeah, if he yeah. merely assisted a goal, that would have been extraordinary. <laughs> but if he went and finished it himself, my God! But I think that's why you you, you see those moments, particularly in person. You go, oh. That's why people are like, he might even be better than Pulisic or like just an, a talent that like oozes out of the, you would say oozes out of the screen, but oozes out of this thing that's unfolding in front of you. It's like, oh, this dude is incredibly talented. And if it can be harnessed and they can find the right way to coexist with him and Pulisic and he can get involved with the strikers, maybe help solve that problem. But that individual talent is obvious to the eye in that sort of moment. Individual talent, and he's got this whole junkyard dog competitive thing going that he's yeah. he's got some bite to. Which... Yeah, he's got a chip on his shoulder. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't notice that about him until tonight. Like he was feisty. Yeah, and I like. Oh that. yeah, yeah. I, he's, like I mean, he, every, everyone describes him. Grant, you know better than me that like everyone describes him as the most competitive guy in the team. That like he that will, just doesn't come off like to that doesn't come off to me on TV. And then yeah. but seeing it in person, I was like, geez. And I love that because yeah. I don't know if that comes from his dad or his mom, who was the better soccer player in the family. <laughs> but it comes from somewhere. I mean, he's got a competitive bite. That's really not, really good. Well, guys, I just want to say it was an absolute pleasure doing this in person with y'all uh us gets a point and is still looking good to qualify for the world cup we will do this again virtually though actually chris and i will both be in in orlando Orlando, yeah uh on sunday but looking forward to it it was great thanks guys thanks grant thanks linda